and Raising Rare, we are bringing you the story of a young father whose son has an ultra-rare disorder known as Sedegatian type spondial metaphysial dysplasia, or SSMD. My name is Kevin Fryert. Each episode, we will find out what is going on in the life of Sanath and his son, Raghav. We will talk about Raghav's growth and development, ongoing and upcoming research, and the challenges and adventures that raising a child with a nearly unknown condition brings. Come join us to hear the story unfold. Happy New Year, everyone. This is the first episode of our second season of Raising Rare. We are grateful to everyone who tunes in and for the support you give us. Thank you so much. So, Sanath, how's Raghav doing? He's stable overall. You know, since the cochlear implant surgery in the last couple of months, there were a lot of ups and downs. He is hearing a lot, which is amazing. But then the implant is also causing him to use more of his energy than normal, which means he has less energy left to do his usual activities. So he gets tired early. He gets he has to sleep for longer, but then I think it's it's sort of the balance that we have here. So we have the positives of the cochlear implant and sort of the negatives of lower energy, which we are trying to tackle by giving him more medications. But he's stable overall, and it's a, it's a good new year, right? Yeah, and we were expecting Rami here today too, but you guys got an appointment somewhere, um, which actually, if you want to mention that, that's kind of exciting too. Yeah, no, he's being evaluated for... It's called AAC. I don't know what it expands to, but the, the gist of it is they are going to test a whole bunch of devices and with him to figure out which of the devices would work for communication. And so there are these high-tech, super high-tech, like iPad-like devices and you know eye trackers and others. And then there are like lower tech devices such as switches and other things that he could use to communicate. And he, he'll use a combination of a, a bunch of these devices and also his voice to eventually communicate whatever is in, in, is in his mind. So today's appointment is to evaluate which of the devices would work for him and and what and chart up chart a path for him to get to a point where he could fully communicate with us. That, that really is an amazing turning point here. You know, cochlear implants going to give him hearing. Now you're going to have new ways to communicate, and you already were communicating. So this is wonderful. Well, so today on Raising Rare, we've got a very special guest, Effie Parks. We're going to have more of a roundtable discussion with the three of us. And we're going to hear about Effie's son, Ford. He has a condition known as CTNNB1. We'll hear more about that in a minute. The really cool thing is Effie's a fellow podcaster. She hosts a wildly popular Once Upon a Gene podcast. Let's start there. Tell us about your podcast and how it came to be, Effie. Hey, dudes. Thanks for having me on your show today. I love your podcast as well. Yes. Thank you so much for that introduction. My podcast, Once Upon a Gene, is just over a year old now. I release episodes once a week, all things rare disease. There's lots of personal stories in there. There's lots of resources, all kind of surrounding navigating this rare life. So I have met so many incredible human beings along this journey, and I've learned so much about the world, about rare disease, about uh, just everything at home too, right? And how to take care of my son. It's been such an enriching experience and I don't know where I would be without this medium. 
So I'm really excited to be doing it. I'm having a lot of fun. I'm trying to get better every time as well. And I'm, I'm lucky to meet people like you. So thanks for having me on your show. Oh, absolutely. And you're really good at this. So I can't wait till you get better. Um, it's going to be amazing. So tell, tell us a little bit about Ford and the reason you're doing the podcast. It wasn't just a, a hobby you had. It, there's a purpose here. My little buddy Ford is four years old. He was born with a genetic mutation. Like you said, it's called CTNNB1. It's a neurological disorder that the CTNNB1 gene is responsible for creating this protein called beta-catenin, which is responsible. It has a lot of jobs. It's responsible for kind of communicating with other cells, which in turn has things has to do with things like cell growth, cell adhesion, cell reproduction, cell health. So unfortunately, the waterfall effect when you're not making enough of a protein, I'm sure both of you know, is detrimental in so many ways for so many diseases. But for Ford, shows up mostly in motor terms. Thank goodness. We are, I'm pretty sure we're positive that it's not a ge- degenerative disease, which is you know, the right side to be on there <laughs> for sure. Um, it shows up for Ford with, you know, global developmental to de- delay. He's nonverbal. He currently cannot sit, crawl, or walk. He has a movement disorder. His limbs are, they're severe dystonia in his limbs. So they're very stiff. They're very spastic. He, we control a lot of it with medication. I can't even imagine what it would be without it at this point because it's still so hard to manage for him and for us getting him around and it's clearly something that makes him uncomfortable a lot i can tell it especially at nighttime those are kind of the big things of how it's showing up for him right now um he's had a lot of lung issues he has really low tone in his trunk obviously with the mobility stuff which caused a lot of pneumonia and RSV for the first several years until we've been quarantined and he's as healthy as he has never been. It's kind of a nice time. It's a nice break from that. That's kind of how it all shows up physically for, for Ford right now. It's crazy because that's exactly how we felt. The, the, the week when they instituted quarantine uh, or work from uh, in Washington state, Raga was in the hospital for RSV. And then we came back home and no no issues at all. He's not been sick in the last nine months. He's been the best of his health. He's been having amazing development thanks to COVID. Who would think, right? I know, right? I think a lot of parents like us have had the same experience, right? So it's been, there's been so many good things too. And I think it it speaks to when everybody's kind of rowing in the same direction, when people are all trying to isolate like that, infection rates for other things go down. Your kids are the ones who are like, there, look at that, our kid's healthy because we're, we're slowing down and we're not out there mixing with everybody all the time. So very interesting phenomena there when you hear, think about it. So I want to know, what are, what are Ford's superpowers? Oh, well, if you haven't heard his laugh yet, you're in you're in for it. It's a, Ford's laugh can take anyone out of any bad moment or thought or day that they're having, and it will just snap you right back to reality. And, and it will just really remind you to live in the moment, 
maximize these special gifts that you get, you know, from your kids and from your family. And it reminds you of what you're doing. It reminds you of why you're fighting and why you're you're advocating so hard and why you're trying to learn and teach others about your kid. It it moves mountains. Uh, Ford's Ford's laugh really changes a lot of things in our lives. And what makes him laugh? Everything makes Ford laugh. Like if you give him a funny look, he's probably going to laugh at you. Uh, He especially laughs when he's outside in the weather. If he's in his wheelie or if he's in the stroller and we're walking, he loves the wind blowing on his face. He loves rain falling on his head. He, He loves that sensation of moving and it cracks him up. He loves the water. He loves splashing. He loves, he loves bubbles. Everything makes Ford laugh. <laughs> Unless I take him away from a door that's opening and shutting automatically, that'll, that'll upset him. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, he's so easy to please. It's just incredible. It's, it's, it's so special to watch how forgiving he is too. You know, like you have to do so many hard things as a parent. You know, you're holding him down for a Botox appointment or you're doing this or you're doing that. And it's hard and it sucks for everyone in the room. And you see how brave these kids are. You see it on their face. You see them see you. And they just, they don't hold any grudges ever. And it's just really, it's really special to kind of notice that in such a little young person. That's why I call them superpowers. We all could learn from what Ford is teaching us. You know, it's, yeah, my limbs are a little stiff. I I don't have a lot of strength. You know, I'm dealing with this all the time. But isn't life funny? (laughs) You know, and he just laughs through it. It's really just, you know, appreciating the small things that are huge. They're big things and they add up so much more than one big event that you might remember for a little while it's these constant little glimmers of sunshine it's incredible i've seen so much of ford's videos thank you so much for sharing all of them on facebook and in other places because they they make my day all the time um is he's he he's incredibly charming thank you i'm so happy you're starting to share some of Vergov because he's so cute <laughs> Yeah, just like just like Ford, look. he keeps laughing at he all the time. Rami has gotten into this new new bedtime routine with him. I, I don't know how she got this pattern. She was just applying some you know lotion on him the other day, and then he started laughing for it. Um, and so that's his new bedtime routine: is just apply lotion on his hands, and then he'll just start hysterically laughing for fifteen minutes before he he goes to sleep. I love that. You know, we have to put lotion on Ford's cheeks every night because he loves it and he asks for it wonder what that is with the kiddos they like that soothing feeling i guess just this calm <laughs> calmness yeah well and just that slippery feeling too not to reveal too much when i was a kid i loved silk things like silk blankets and things like that when i was three and four years old i couldn't go to sleep without a silk something um, <laughs> that sensory issue yeah it's a sensory thing so you mentioned botox treatments tell us a little about that but what other treatments are there now for for CT and NB1. So the Botox treatments are for his dystonia in his limbs. So before we were getting Botox, I couldn't even 
bend Ford's legs or really open them up. So getting him in a car seat was a huge chore and it was painful for both of us. You know, I had to flip Ford's car seat around before he was two, well before he was two, because he couldn't bend his legs to even sit in it. He was so flaily that he couldn't control anything, right? Like he couldn't pick up a toy. Everything was flinging and he he just didn't have he just didn't have any control over it, I guess. So we started doing Botox every five or so months to kind of relax those muscles and make them stop firing as much, in a sense. It's kind of backwards, really. It's kind of a weird thing. Uh, so we do that for his movement disorder. Currently for CT and MB1, you know, we're, we're so young still. We're not necessarily as young as some, obviously. There is an organization called ctnmb1.org. And in, within the last year, another organization from one of our family members called ACT started up. And their mission was to help drive research. So we're in the process of obviously merging the two So because we're all one family. And there are a couple amazing doctors and scientists, Dr. Jacobs, Dr. Um, Chung, that are working right now on mouse models. Uh, currently, I think they're mainly looking at drug repurposing. There's also a really special mom in our group over in Slovenia who has a few scientists on board in Australia who will be conducting some gene therapy stuff. So everything's really new. A lot of stuff was halted, obviously, due to COVID, but hopefully they'll get a little, they'll get a little push with you know things opening back up a little and the vaccine coming. And we're really excited to see that there is interest in our gene and that there has been some studies already that we didn't even know about until we were looking. So early stages, but outlook is really exciting. That's great to hear. It's so important to find those other people that are, that are working for the same goals and then to find those scientists out there who are interested. There are people who are interested in the science of it. You know, they're not, not everybody's looking for the, you know, what's the big market out there. It's like, no, it's, this is really interesting stuff. What is going on because of that gene and can we help it? So let's turn to our round table discussion. And the first thing I wanted to ask you guys is kind of compare notes on how have you built your support systems and who is in it? Cause you have vastly different stories. Our support systems primarily rely on on our parents. So we have Ramya's parents now that are with us from India. So they stay here for six months, and then my parents would come in for another six months. I kind of jokingly say that this is like taking a trip to the International Space Station. If you stay too, if you stay too long there, you'll you'll age faster and and you'll get health issues. So you have to kind of shuttle around. So Rami and I are, are in the space station with Raghav and then the the parents crew come in and, and has and save us a little bit and then and then switch up switch up. So they are the they are the primary you know support system for us in terms of day-to-day -day activities because Raghav needs too many hands. Sometimes even four people at home seems too little for, for doing everything that we have to do for Raghav. That's primary. The secondary is a lot of friends. You know, we have several close friends that we have uh, they've really helped us along through this journey. Uh, understanding and understanding what we're going through in lifting us up when we are not feeling that well. And I, I think the, the the broader rare disease community in general has been a, an incredible support system for us because this is where I could, you know, feel at home. 
everybody understands what we're going through. When you, when you talked about Botox, I was like, it's not backwards. It makes a ton of sense because that's exactly what Raghav was almost going through for, for something else. So I, these are the things that you would, nobody would understand if you, if you tell to some other parent that, that your, your, your four-year-old is getting a Botox. They'd laugh at you, right? Um, and these are conversations you could have with the rest of the rare disease community and uh, kind of feel like we, we know each other for a really long time because that's the sort of connections that we could, we could make uh, and strike that you couldn't make elsewhere. So that, that's been our primary support system. So similar, right? Like we live within like a mile or two to my husband's parents. Thank the Lord. They are such a huge help with Ford and appointments. And I have a second child. So it's gotten a little complicated with stuff like that, especially now that I can only bring one child to things. So, you know, they've just always been there to swoop in whenever we needed it mentally or emotionally or physically or whatever. In-laws, I hear you there. Don't ever move away from the grandparents. When people do that, that is just crazy to me. I was just telling somebody that we moved away from our hometown when our kids, actually, I got my job at Pfizer within weeks after my second daughter was born and, and we moved. That was 33 years ago now. And now I have a granddaughter and now I know why my parents are so mad at me still. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Totally. My granddaughter is five minutes uh, away. It's yes. Wonderful. Okay. And then, um, you know, I have a lot of siblings. I, I don't know if either of you know, I have 12 brothers and sisters and we're all very close. We share a chat room that is constantly dinging. But, you know, in the beginning, I didn't necessarily feel like I had a community anymore at all, uh, which is how I found podcasting, you know, Sanoff spending so much time in the car going to and from these things. I lived in my car, basically, and I found comfort through listening to people on podcasts, and I finally felt like someone was like me. There weren't very many podcasts on this subject when Ford was born, so they have grown so much so quickly, and I'm so glad, like, the more the merrier, but those became a really close companion to me and a lifeline for me. Because I didn't feel like I even really had a connection to my friends anymore. Because nobody knew what my life was like. And podcasts really brought me into a space and introduced me to this beautiful, rare disease world with other families like me. It gave me enough of everything. You know, like I finally came out of the dark and then I was able to let my friends back in. I hadn't necessarily completely pushed them away but they just weren't in my sights anymore because they didn't understand. So finding other parents like me gave me, gave me courage and it opened my eyes in so many ways and it helped me kind of surround all the people that I did have and put them in this sweet little space of mine that I had finally found. This community is incredible and you both know it. I mean, everyone talks about it. Everyone talks about how giving everyone is and how open everyone is to sharing their ideas and their struggles and their successes. And when you feel seen, you get a fire under you and you don't feel alone and you, you just grow. Everyone in your family grows. And it's just, it's such a powerful medium. I'm obsessed with it, obviously. And it is, it's a, 
it's therapeutic. So it's a, by talking through things, we all know this, by talking through things, you process what's going through your head, you put it out there, you deal with it, and it quits eating at you, and you can do something with it. Well, even though you're just talking to, you know, two guys on the other end of a Zoom line, you're still, you're talking. And when you're doing that as a podcaster yourself, you're talking and you're picturing all those other people that you've been listening to in this community that's out there, whether they're in the room or not. And you realize, wow, I'm not alone. Yeah. And something someone actually said to me earlier this week that I hadn't really thought of, but I had like an aha moment after it. She said, don't you think listening to uh, people's stories or this kind of stuff on podcasts is like the best passive friendship that you need as a rare disease parent? You know, when you don't have time to really be there for other people, but you are in your heart and you're so busy and you're so stressed. But when you can feel connected to someone just by listening to them, you have a bond with them, even if they don't know you and you haven't messaged them or whatever. But it's it's like the kind of friendship that you can have at that time when things are so hard and you're in the trenches. That's very true. It, you, you you connect with 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 them at, at a very deep level, right? At a level that you've you, you wouldn't have a, an hour of conversation with their friend sitting and talking one on one, right? It's very rare, and it used to happen more often pre pre COVID. You could meet someone and have a chat, but then it you know if conversations are around what you had been doing in the past just thinking about what your life is today, right? And in some levels, we couldn't share everything that's going on with our lives today. It's hard. People don't understand. And, and having someone who understands who you can just connect with instantly and have the conversation is it's therapeutic. Therapeutic is the word. Totally. And I also think it's there's not a, a requirement that they understand when you're doing it this way. You're, you're just saying it, right? You're just talking about it. You're not worried about what are they thinking and oh no. It's just, hey, let me tell you my story. This is what's going on with me now. It's very, it's a fascinating kind of human interaction to say, yes, we can, we can talk into the air and get something good out of it because we're not worried about, are we handling the conversation okay? Yeah, there's no expectations and there's no pressure to return something to the other person in any way. Yeah, it's a... As you said, it's a passive friendship. In your situations, you know, all the friendships that you can get matter. You know, the more the more the merrier, as you said, and the more more you can hear about each other. You've, you've taken the, your podcast to the next level. Now you have a TV. Tell us all about it. Oh my gosh, you guys! Uh, Once upon a gene TV is now streaming on the one and only Disorder Channel. Everyone who's anyone knows Bo Bigelow and Daniel DeFabio, heroes in our community, rare dads. They started the Rare Disease Film Festival initially a few years ago, and COVID made them just kind of uh, make their new edition a little sooner than maybe they had planned. They put a channel out. You can download it on Roku or Amazon Fire. Some of their content is now being put on YouTube too for anyone who can't access those devices, which is really exciting. So Once Upon a Gene TV is a monthly episode currently. It's interactive. The three of us are your hosts. We are going to include a guest every month and it's more of an active takeaway type show. So we want you to learn something. We want you to get some ideas. We want to include you. So it's more of like a fun interactive talk show than a podcast of people talking 
at you or to you. It's really fun. Uh, you know, we have this amazing wheel of laughter. <laughs> so if you have a kiddo who has a laugh, send it to us in widescreen. It can go on our wheel of laughter. And at the end, we play it. We show their beautiful faces. We include their diagnosis to help raise a little more awareness. It's really fun. I'm excited to be a part of this. It's something new. I have no idea what I'm doing. Just like I still don't really with my podcast. I'm just going for it because it feels right. There's so much support all around and I'm having a lot of fun doing it. It's incredible. Uh, the TV is a great medium and I think you've, you've found the sweet spot in TV with, with kind of going through the internet route and, and the streaming platforms, right? It, it, it makes a ton of sense to reach a lot of the people that we care about. I would never go into a movie theater again for the next several years to watch anything. And I don't even have cable. So YouTube and, and Roku and all these other streaming platforms are the way to go. Well, and, and your life doesn't let you just say, oh, I want to go to the 7.30. You know, it's on at 7.30 today. I'm going to watch it. No, you've got to watch it when you get the moment to watch it. And so you've got to have that the capability streaming gives you. Totally. And well, and that's Bo and Daniel, right? Like this is their baby and they know how to do all that stuff. But I'm really excited that they've put some of those rare films on YouTube too, because they're just so important. I know you all have had the chance to watch most of them, if not all of them on the channel. And it's just, they're so beautiful. And some of them are funny and you just, you just feel like all of these people are family. Like I can't wait to have a rare disease cocktail party someday. <laughs> yes when global genes actually happens again we'll have to arrange that yes um, <laughs> it, it might even make it onto the schedule that, that reminds me do you guys hear that the, the new movie from pixar soul has a mention of rare diseases oh my gosh yes no i didn't hear that yeah, they, they actually have a scene where, I, I, I don't know all the description, I haven't watched the movie yet. I have a watch party later this week to watch it with a bunch of my friends. But then apparently someone comes up and says, they are a professor of rare diseases from University of Mexico. Yes, I just watched that this week and I won't go into what happened, but I'm making an episode about it. Uh, but yes, it's so cool, that movie. Definitely watch it. I'm not going to spoil it with what happened while we were watching it, but. Yes, there's a doctor and she's like, hi, I'm Dr. So-and-so. I cure rare diseases. And it's awesome. It's oh, wow. Incredible. That's really, really something. You know, I talk to more and more people who, when I say rare disease, they, they don't ask the question anymore. Well, what do you mean by that? They get it now. The, the word's making it out there. There are a lot of people who, are, who have rare diseases and who are managing that every day. And people are starting to learn it's a thing. You know, and it's a big thing. Yeah, rare disease is trending. <laughs> yes, it's cool. Raising Rare is produced by Salem Oaks, empowering patients and caregivers to shape the future of medicine. CureGPX4.org is dedicated to finding a treatment and cure for SSMD. You can donate to CureGPX4 on the Raising Rare podcast page or at CureGPX4.org. You can continue to follow Raga's story next time on Raising Rare.